just this morning, and when I was praying at the prayer meeting, I just felt well, some of us here might be here, and we, we come maybe once a year to an Easter Sunday service, almost like to pay homage, you know, or a Christmas Day. And I felt in my heart for you. Uh, and I, as I was praying, I just felt God saying, you might come here to tick a box, but I feel in the Lord, He wants to cut a heart. And uh, so I just want to encourage you just to be open to the Spirit this morning and uh, just to be obedient and respond to Him because you're not responding to me. I'm just a man. I can't bring life. I can't do anything for you. But I can pray that God will reveal Himself to you, make Himself known. And I love celebrating today as you might have started to pick up today as a special day. It's the most significant day for all Christians, for everybody actually. And uh, it's not just a add-on to what we do. It, it's, it's what stems from everything that we do is about today. And it's the most important thing. You know, uh, just laughing as I came to, to church this morning, I, I actually left my belt. And I was keep on pulling up my pants. And, and I said to Lauren, please, um, when you go, because she had to go and pick up her dad. I said, please, when you go and pick up your dad and come back, just fetch my belt because I left it. She says, oh, how am I going to remember it? I said, well... Think of it like this. You're going to pick up my belt, and on the way, you're going to pick up your dad, you know? So, it's like, I know it sounds very arrogant, but that's like, it's about, this is the main thing, you know? Well, today, Easter Sunday, this is the main thing of everything we do. It, it, it's, everything we do stems from here, and, it, and its significance is so important. And uh, this morning, I want to give you a heads up. Maybe you don't know what the gospel is about. Maybe you, you understand to a, to a degree, and I'm hoping that God would reveal this this morning, because I know I can't. I'm just a man. I can share what the Word and what, what the Holy Spirit's revealed to me, but the Holy Spirit is the one who brings revelation of this truth, and, uh, and that's what I'm wanting this morning, because, you know, there's something pivotal happened 2,000 years ago for all mankind, for every single one of us, something so pivotal, something that is so important. It's the most momentous occasion in history happened 2,000 years ago. And uh, it's more important than World War I or II. It's more important than Napoleon or whatever you've heard, you know, in history. This is the thing. And, um, you know, all of humanity's destiny was dependent on this day. That's how important it was. And uh, our hope, our future, our lives are totally dependent on this day. And that's, that's how important it is. You might say, well, Benny, what is this event? What, is, what happened then? And uh, I want to share, just, just, just regarding this, I want to kind of maybe sum it up and then present it to you. Today, well, 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son, Jesus. And He sent His Son because you and I missed the mark. You and I were living in sin, and we had lost the relationship with a holy God, with a righteous God. And God wanted to restore that relationship. God wanted to bring us to a place where, we, where He can meet with us, this holy, righteous God. And he, and he stuck out an olive branch for us in the form of a cross. And His love was so wide, it was so deep, it was so high. Even in all of our sinfulness, even in our worst, the worst of us, that he stuck out that olive branch through his son. And if we could just reach out 
and receive Him. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it. And God took, and when we do that, when we become born again, it's actually us coming to that place where we're saying, God, I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize I've missed it. You know, the smallest of sins. It doesn't matter if you might be a person that says, well, I haven't really done much sin. I want to say, if you've looked at a woman in lust, you're in sin. If you've stolen, if you've lied, if you've, you, you've murdered, you've done all these things, you have missed the mark. You are unholy. You are unrighteous. And the amazing thing is that if God wants you to come back and just meet with you, He'd consume you because of His holiness. That's how it is. And God wants to restore that. He wants to restore that relationship, but He can't do it while we're still in our sin. Because the Bible says that even our, our minds, our carnal minds are at war with God. Can you, can you imagine? You think, well, I'm not at war with God. No, the Bible says you, you constantly... Your, your flesh is at war. It doesn't want God. It doesn't, everything in you, in your flesh, doesn't want Him of His holiness. That's, that's what flesh is. It just wants what's good for me, what's my, my pleasures, what's my desires. And, um, and so God sends His Son to do that. And you know the amazing thing is God sends His Son, and God puts all of our sin as we receive Christ. He puts it on the person of Jesus. Puts it on his righteous son. It says the Bible says that his son, who knew no sin, became sin for you and I. So Jesus in himself had no sin. There was no inclination that anything within him would want to desire anything that was not of God. Everything in him, his thoughts, his his motives, everything was pure. It was nothing in Christ within him was sinful. But yet God said, Okay, I'm gonna take your sin and I'm gonna place it on him. And the Bible says that it pleased the Father to crush the Son. That's the gospel. That's the beauty. That's the grace of God. And the amazing thing is, Mornay even kind of touched on it, is because Jesus knew no sin. Sin, death had no legitimate rights to keep him down. Death had no legitimate rights to keep him in the grave. To keep him in hell. It had no legitimate rights because he was righteous. You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus knew no sin. So death couldn't hold him. That's amazing. That's the gospel. Eh? That is the power of the cross. And uh, Satan wants to distort that truth to you. He wants to dilute that truth to you. He doesn't want you to see that revelation of what Christ did. And he'll do anything in his power to prevent that. You know, I was just looking, I was talking to a family member a while back, and they were saying to me, just explaining um, what they had seen in the Discovery Channel. And you know, the Discovery Channel's got a lot of untruths in there. And uh, one of the things, they had this documentary on, on finding the tomb of Jesus. And uh, on, this, on this whole Discovery Channel, they found this tomb, and it, it, it was a person whose name was Jesus, and the archaeologists began to date this, and they said, okay, it must have been a guy around about Jesus' day, about 2,000 years. And not only was it a guy around Jesus' time, but, but it was also a guy in his 30s, and, uh, and it was a male. And, you know, they, they, and so they begin to formulate this idea that this is Jesus, you know, and, and they, the archaeologists were able to detect from the bones. And I, I remember this person said, well, isn't this great? Because now... You know, history proves that Jesus died. And I'm like, 
You haven't thought this through, have you? Because if this is the bones of Jesus who died, that means he never got resurrected. <laughs> you know, then, then all of us are doomed. So this is not the history lesson I want to learn because, it, you know, it wasn't true for one. But um, it's not here to prove to the world that Jesus existed. It's to prove to the world that Jesus died and rose again. That's the important part of, of history, and that's why it's more important than anything else. And Paul understood this, because when he wrote 1 Corinthians uh, 15, I didn't put this down, but I, I just took a few points of what Paul says. You know, Paul says, you know what? If there was no resurrection, flip, we're in big trouble. He said our preaching would be empty. Our faith would be empty. He said we'll be false witnesses of God. He says our faith is powerless, and we would all still be in our sins if Jesus didn't rise again. He said, all of those who died before us, who believed in Christ, would have perished. And he says, if all we had was this hope, we are to be most pitied above all men. Some of your versions would be so, the most miserable. You know, if Paul was Afrikaans, he would go, oh, shame. <laughs> Poor you guys. You oaks. Shame. So, as we look at this, why? You know, why do we do all of this? For what? Why do we preach the gospel? Because, you know, if Christ didn't rise again, you know, I would say to you, just live the way you want to live. Please the flesh. Please your desires. Please the lust that you have. Why? Because, well, what have you got to live for? You know, if Christ didn't rise again, there would be no reason. In fact, I would Commend Joel Osteen's book, Live Your Best Life Now, because your next life, you don't have one. You know, it would be. If, the, if this was all there was, then live to the flesh, live to your desires, please yourself. But you know what? Jesus did rise again. You see, without the resurrection, there's no power. And this, and I, and I want us to understand this, this you know, God wants us to make known what happened 2,000 years ago. Not that we can record it as some historical event that happened 2,000 years ago, that we can think upon and go, mm, and reflect and say, okay, that was great. It's a nice history lesson, but it has no implications for me here and now. See, God doesn't want to do that. He didn't want to present that to you like that. That's not what we do when we come here. But the resurrected power has something to do with its relevance here for me and you. And I want to make that known to you because I think sometimes we think this is the resurrection, that one day Jesus is going to come back, which is true, and we're going to get new bodies. Amazing, hey? I'm going to look quite good in my next life. I'm sure God's going to make me look okay. I'm sure Chad's going to look quite pretty. <laughs> and we're going, to, we're going to look good, man, because we're going to be get, get given a body. That's, and, and I'm sure you ladies, if you had your say, you'll say, I want to size this, I want to size that. I want to look like that. Thank goodness. It's probably a good thing that we don't get to say. I think God will just give us a new body, and it's going to be the perfect body. But, you know, the resurrection isn't merely about that day. And I, I want you to understand. I want you to grasp this. Because Mary, uh, okay, let, so let me go, go back to uh, John 11. Now, what happened was Lazarus died. Now, Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. And uh, Lazarus had a sister, Mary. 
And she comes, and Jesus was away while this all happened. Lazarus fell sick and died. And when he got there, you know, it was too late. And so Mary says to Jesus, said to her, your brother will rise. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, um, I know that he will rise again. And in the resurrection of the last days. And then Jesus says, said this. He said, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And I was amazed at that scripture because what, what he was saying is, look, Martha, the resurrection isn't just about an event that's going to happen. It isn't about the last day when I come. That is part of it. And because of what happened now that's going to happen, that I'm going to die and be risen again, this is the effect of it. But you've got to understand, it's not looking back to a day. It's looking to me. I am the resurrection. And, uh, and this is what I want us to grasp because I think it's the same thing that when Jesus said, I am, you know, through me, you have eternal life. And a lot of us might ask, well, when we look at eternal life, we think eternal life is me getting a new body and getting zapped up into heaven. I mean, come on, how many of you think of that as eternal life? If you think of it like that, then I want to say to you, even people that are going to hell have eternal life. If, if that is your reduction to what eternal life is, me getting a new body, going to heaven, they're going to get a new body and go to hell. And it's also going to be an incorruptible body because the Bible says we're, we're worm, you know, they won't die, they won't perish. And, and so this morning, I want, to, I want to encourage you, don't think of hell as, oh, you know, this pretty place and it just looks like a bit of fire and the devil with horns. Let me see, that's the world's view of hell to deceive you, really. It's going to be no pleasure there. And it's going to be pain forever and ever and ever. You know, I had an abscess in my tooth recently. And I tell you, it is painful when you don't have medication. And you're sitting there, and it's Easter weekend. But luckily, I managed to get to a doctor and get some painkillers. But, you know, that's just a little treacle of something that's painful. And you just want to, you just want to rip your tooth out because it's so sore. And, you know, the amazing thing with, with hell, it's like you're going to be like that forever, for eternity. But you see, eternal life isn't just about me getting a body and going to heaven. What is eternal life? If I were to define it to you, well, I'm not going to define it because I think sometimes when we define things, it gets diluted. Let me tell you what the Bible says about eternal life. John 17, 3. And it's very clear. And then it says, and this is eternal life, okay? This is the definition of eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Do you, do you get it? You know what eternal life is? Knowing Him. It's knowing the person of Jesus. And it's not a head cognitive knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge of getting to know Him personally. It's having a relationship with God, our Savior. That is eternal life. Guys are quiet this morning. <laughs> you see, it's, it's through this eternal life that I, that in this relationship that I have with Jesus, I begin to understand the resurrection. I, I begin to understand the eternal life that is within Him. And He brings that to me. And I begin to, to, to understand just who He is. And, um, you know, there's so much significance that comes with that and that understanding. Just 
yeah, I just want to stop a moment. I'm just feeling in the Lord. Just to, Can I just pray? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you this morning that uh, we depended on your spirit. And Father, I want to pray that this morning, as some of us might have just met treacles of you, just glimpses of who you are, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and reveal yourself right now. You are eternal life, Father. You are the resurrection. And Lord, I feel like some of us here have been sitting in dead works, Lord, that this, just things that are holding us back, Jesus, from knowing you. Sin that we feel is pleasure, but it's, but it's a moment of just pleasure. But Father, in the end, it just brings bitterness and despair. And ultimately, it leads us to death. And I want to pray this morning that people would recognize that. The ugliness of what sin is and the death that it brings. Come, Holy Spirit, and just bring conviction right now, Jesus. Amen. You see, this resurrected power needs to work in me, church. It needs to have its way. I need to give, as I have my relationship with Jesus, He begins to work, and he, and he works its way out. It works in my marriage, in my relationship with my wife. It works in how I discipline my kids, how I, how I handle them. It works in how I witness to those around me, because it's the resurrected life within me. We shared, when I had the word, is this, God's called us to be a light. Let me tell you, you cannot be a light if you don't have the resurrected power of God shining out of you, coming out of your heart, permeating from every part of your being. Because the love of Christ is within you. It's the love of Christ that draws people. And let me tell you if, you, if you don't have that, you cannot be that light. And I want to say this power can only come through, through God. See, He's the one who transforms me. He's the one who makes me holy. Because I know Benny. There's just nothing in me that can be holy. There's nothing in me that can actually articulate righteousness. In myself. And so God sends His Spirit to do that within me. And there's a hope that there needs to come a point where I'm just like, oh God, you've got to come and do it. And you might be here because you, you still got maybe treacles of, I can do this, God, I can do I want to say you can't. You need to get to the place where you actually die in order for God to resurrect you. You see, this is what we've got to realize is only dead things can get resurrected. Think of that. I mean, it sounds very simple, but it's profound. Only dead things can be resurrected. God will not resurrect something that's alive because it's alive. Huh? And so there's a sense in which we've got to die to everything is that of the flesh in order that God can raise up what, what He wants to in the Spirit. And so He has to do that. And so we... We as Christians, we've got to submit our hearts, our, our bodies, everything to the Lord. Matthew, uh, you can go to Matthew 16, Vic, please. It says, and then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Just leave that scripture. I, th I, I sometimes need to reinterpret things because, you know, we, we read scripture through our modern lens. You know, when Jesus said, come follow me, he's not saying hit the like button and subscribe to my channel. You know, it's not that follow. It's, he says, you've got to die to yourself. If you want to follow me, you've got to die. You thought about that. But that's the resurrected life. 
more than hitting the like button. And many people want to experience the glory without the pain. We want to experience the life without the death. But the amazing thing is when, when God presents Jesus to you, when you get to know, and you will be presented with a Jesus like that, where Jesus wants to make you good, he wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and he wants to bring prosperity to your life. That is not the gospel that I've read. That is not the whole heart of Jesus to make you comfortable here on this life. That's not his goal. I'm sorry to break it to you, but as I read Scripture, there's no way in Scripture that it actually says that. Otherwise, Jesus said you wouldn't have to bear your cross if you want to follow him. If that is what the discipling is about, then you've got the wrong Jesus. But you see, it's the same, and I want you to understand this. As I was reading a Scripture, it just like hit me. You see, for you to understand, it's the same person, the same Jesus that's calling you to be resurrected, that's calling you to death. Isn't that amazing? You see, in order for me to understand the resurrected life in Christ in me, in order for me to be a good husband to my wife, I've got to die to those things that are of the flesh. I mean, my wife could tell me, tell you, there's many things in the flesh that sometimes raises itself and it doesn't reflect the glory of God to her. And so that thing has to die in order for God to, to work out that which is of spirit, that builds her up, that, that edifies, that encourages her. And so, and so the two are always in balance. They're always there. And I love the way Paul presents it in Philippians 3, 8, 11. I want to quite read that scripture because I want to expound on this. It says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order, listen to this, in order that I might gain Christ. You see, Paul's heart was to get to gain Christ, to to have Christ, and to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus, the righteousness of God. <laughs> we go off. That I might know, uh, where are we? Okay, that I might know Him, listen to this, and the power of His resurrection and may share in His suffering. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. Which is it, Paul's suffering or resurrection? Say, no, I've got to suffer and I've got to experience the death in order to understand the resurrection. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I might attain the resurrection from the dead. You see what Paul's saying? Listen, I want to understand the resurrection. I want to understand the resurrected life of Christ in me. But in order to do that, I've got to die. In order for that to happen. And so he's saying, like, and it's an intimate knowledge he's talking about. I want to know Christ, and this is how I've got to do it. And so I have to know the resurrected person of Jesus. But I also have to understand, as I know the resurrected person of Jesus, I've got to understand the resurrected principles by which Jesus operates. The kingdom is completely different to the world, church. The world will say, you deserve it, go and claim it, go and take it, you know, you have a right. Jesus says, no, you actually got no right. You've got to die. If you want to be the first, you've got to be the last. If you want to be strong, you've got to become weak. If you want to be wise, you've got to consider the foolish things. You know, you, it's in by faith that you've got to do these things. And that's the, the ways of the world. And, and my kingdom ways are completely opposite. And 1 Corinthians 15 talks about these principles of the resurrection. Verse 42. It says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is, is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. 
It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. If it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. If it's sown in the natural body, it's raised in the spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. You see, what he's saying is, look, I've got to sow these things. I've got to sow those things that are not of God in order that I can produce the spiritual righteousness of God within me. And so part of that, I mean, just how he works that thing out is, is my old habits. I've got, to, I've got to kill those things. You know, often we, we kind of accept and we say, well, that's, that's just who I am. No, we can't accept sin. We've got to allow the convicting work of the Spirit to move within us, church. And I know a lot of us do. We kind of, we kind of write ourselves off and say, well, that's, that's just how it is. I want to say today, God is saying no to that. You know, God wouldn't call us to be holy if we didn't have the power to become holy, if we didn't have the ability. And it's not our ability, it's His ability working in us. And so God's not calling us to live in the flesh. He's calling us to live in the Spirit. And so death has to become a lifestyle for us. You know, often people think of me when we come together and, and, and we, you know, since I've been saved, I realize that death in me is a continual thing. It's not just, I, I would love to tell you it's a once-off. <laughs> that, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, it's, that's it. It's finished. Everything is okay from there. It's just downhill. You know, you... Everything's made for you. No, I've got to die daily. Paul even says that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, he says, I die daily. Romans 12, verses 1, it says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. You ever thought of that scripture? As living sacrifices. It's not like a sacrifice that's once off. You know, like when they take a lamb and they just slaughter it and that's it. That thing's dead. But you are different. You're a living sacrifice. You die every day. Why? Because there's something in the flesh that just wants to rise up every day and take hold. Hey? You guys find that? Am I the only one? Am I the only sinner that has to kill the old man daily? Oh, it's there. It's real. Have you ever watched those movies when the, when the guys, well, you shouldn't watch these movies, but, <laughs> but if someone's drowning or being strangled, you see the guys like fighting and fighting and then there's, there's less of that energy and eventually, you know, the guy gives up. Because he's strangled. But that's, that's how it is with sin. It's almost like you've got to grab a hold of sin and allow no air to come into its lungs. You know, it's like you've got to hold it, you've got to grip it, you've got to fight it, like Paul says, until there's no air left in it. And I want to say you can do that. You can do that. God has given you authority to do that, to kill the old man. Do you guys believe that? I believe there's things that you walking in now that you don't need to be walking in. I think I almost felt like there's a, there's a, there's a powerlessness there's a, within some of us. It's almost like an emasculation of what Christ did in the cross and the authority that he's given you in Christ Jesus. And God's saying, grip that sin and kill it until there's no more life in it because your life is dependent on it. That's what Jesus said. If your eye causes you to sin, pull it out. Pull it out. It's the flesh. If there's anything in you that's causing you to, you've got to, you've got to look at eternity. And God says, I've given you the authority my, through my son. And so we've got to do that, church. We've got to kill the old man. And I'm not talking about your dad. I'm talking about the old ways, the old creation. If 
You see, when we get to know the true Jesus, He's going to present to you both the death and the resurrection. And uh, the world can't present this Jesus. You know, the world wants to present you a nice Jesus, a healthy, wealthy Jesus. But that's not the Jesus that, that I see in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 11, if we can go there. And Paul wants to present to the church a Jesus that's true. And he says this, I feel a divine jealousy for you. For I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Listen to this. He says, but I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by the cunning, uh, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere, pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, and I want to say that this happens all the time. You go and look in your Christian bookstores and your, your TV, you know, TVNs and all those things. Many times I see another Jesus presented. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. And that is so true today. We put up with that so much. We put up with the Jesus that's nice. And I want to tell you, that's not the Jesus that Paul presents to us. Just because someone slaps a label and says, this is Christian, don't believe it. Come, guys, we've got to be less fickle than that. Really, we do. And uh, you see, Paul wants to present a Jesus that represents death in order that you can understand the gospel that represents life in order that you might have a spirit that can receive the resurrected life of Jesus. And only the spirit can resurrect. And he's saying, if I present you another Jesus, you're going to have another gospel, and you're going to have another spirit in you. And that spirit will never resurrect you. It will never get you out of your old ways. It will never get you out of your sin. You'll always go back, back to the sin, back to the, like the the Bible says, a dog that returns to its vomit. That's how your life will be, constantly. And that spirit will just help you indulge in that. Let me tell you, when you receive this Christ, you will know this gospel and you will be resurrected from sin. Maybe we've been given the wrong Jesus. I don't know. When we live in a repetitive life of sin. And I, I know I'm being harsh here this morning, but it's not harsh in the sense that I'm, I'm almost like angry against the powerlessness that Satan wants to present to you. I want to point you back to the power of the cross. And the world will receive another spirit. The Bible says in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, have I given you that one? Yeah. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I want you guys to grasp that. The world cannot receive the spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells within you and will be in you. Isn't that amazing? God, God's spirit is in us. And it's the Spirit that does the transforming work. You know, this is what we've got to realize, church, is it's, it's the Spirit that does the transforming work. You know, some of you might be here and you think, you know, Benny, I hear what you're saying, um, and I've got to get my life right first before I decide to really plug into the church, before I really decide to plug into the Lord, and I, I just need to make myself good. Can I say that's trying to conform yourself on the outside. That is not the work of the Spirit. The Spirit comes and transforms us within. 
You see, when you say to me, Benny, I've got to do this, 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 and I've got to get my act together, can I say, you're still living an act. It's not about getting your act together. We're not actors. And God wants to change us, that it's real, that it's authentic, that when He does the work, you know it's God doing it. It's not a facade. I'm, I'm trying to look good on the outside. No, Jesus has to come and transform you within. And I love Ephesians 1, because it, it talks about this. Ephesians 1.19, and I, I, I got the scripture because John and Renee are away, and they said this on the WhatsApp on their group. And I thought, that's such a lovely scripture. And it says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now listen to this. According to the working of his great might. Did I only give you that one? Okay. Let me just see. According to the working of his great might, and then verse 20 it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now, as I was reading the scripture, it really hit me. Because he's saying that you might know the exceedingly power towards us who believe according to the working of his might. Do you see the working of his might? It's talking about a present tense thing. Present tense. God is working within us. Now, some of you say, well, Jesus done the work, it's completed, it's finished. Yes, that's true. He did it on the cross. But that power is working within you now. You see, it's not a, once, it's not a history event. He's saying the resurrected power did happen 2,000 years ago, but now it's working within you now of what Christ did. That, that authority, that victory that Christ had is at work in you. That's why we got it. I love that scripture because it really emphasizes, man, it's not me. So I want to say this morning, don't, as we begin to allow the Spirit to work, as we begin to allow the Spirit to move within us, I want us to come before the Holy Spirit this morning and ask Him to speak into our lives. Ask Him to convict us. Ask Him to, to come and have His way. Because like I said, church, this is not something that we can do. It's something God has to do. But He's going to do it through an, a person who, who genuinely wants Him, who genuinely wants Him to come and transform you from within. He's not going to come to a people that are, oh, I want to add Jesus onto my life. It's not how God works. He's not, he's, not, he's not an add-on. The same way this resurrection is not an add-on to my life. You see, when I receive Jesus, I've got to die, and that is the main thing. And with that death comes the resurrection. and Everything else will permeate from that truth. Everything in my life would work around that resurrected power of God within me. And, uh, and that's why I want to say too, that's why we can't do it on the outside. We can't fix things. Because it's the flesh that, you see, the flesh can't produce life. And we can't fix things. That's why the Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's not about trying to do it on the outside and then, okay, let God come. No. It's let the Spirit do within, and you will overcome sin. You will overcome what the flesh has over your life. Amen. I want to pray this this morning, and I want to create space this morning, because if we have this morning, and it's just me telling you about the resurrected power, but you walk out of these doors, and there's no truth to that, there's no reality, no revelation of that, then I felt we, 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 we failed in a large way, 
And I know it's not me. I, I, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would, would work this morning within hearts, that, that you would respond to Him. And maybe in doing so, as I've been talking, maybe God's been ministering to you. Maybe you've been living a life that's not glorifying to Him. You know when you've missed the mark. You know when you've done things that is not glorifying to Him. But like I said, that Scripture, it says the wages of those sins, the wages of those things is death. You can deceive me, you can deceive those in the room and say, well, it's fine. But let me tell you, the wages of what you're doing is death. And God's calling us, He's beckoning us. The Bible says, you know, He's given us this, the spirit of reconciliation, that there's, there's even us who, who are calling upon you and saying, come to Jesus. I was a sinner, but now I'm found. Jesus has brought His death to me, but He's also brought the resurrection. And so can I ask that we just close our eyes this morning and, and, and let's respond to Him. We've all had to make that decision in our lives where we've had to receive Him and accept Him. And Father, I want to pray this morning. I don't want to presume everybody here has met you, Jesus. I want to pray that, Lord, maybe some of us sitting here have met a Jesus. But like Paul says, they might not have met the right Jesus. They might have met a Jesus that is more of an add-on to their lives. A Jesus that wants to help me in my circumstances. A Jesus that wants to make me feel good. Who wants to give me confidence. A Jesus who wants me to be secure. A Jesus that wants to provide. But Lord, all of those can be an add-on Jesus. And Lord, as we look to the gospel, Lord, Jesus, you said, if you want to follow me, you have to die. And Father, we look to that Jesus this morning. We look at that Jesus that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. And Father, that's the Jesus I want you to present yourself today, Lord. And Lord, where the lies have come in from the enemy, Lord, to, to deceive us, I pray that this Jesus would be presented to them and in their hearts. Lord, it would convict them. This Jesus would, would uh, point out, Lord, just... Those things that are, are things that lead to death. Those sins, Lord, those, those things that uh, we have in our relationships, those things that are hardened hearts towards you, Father. I pray that we allow those things to die this morning under the authority of this Jesus. That we take every thought captivity to this Jesus this morning. And Lord, we know as we present this gospel that with this Jesus comes the Spirit of God, comes the Holy Spirit who brings the resurrection, who brings the life, who brings healing, who brings wholeness, who brings confidence, but it's a confidence that we find in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I want to pray that this morning, that this Spirit, Lord, your Holy Spirit would come and minister to hearts this morning. Your Word says it's your Spirit that, that witnesses with our spirits that we are sons of the, of the living God. And this morning, I want you to come and declare sons and daughters, Lord Jesus. I know I can't declare this, but only you can, Father. But I want to pray as people respond this morning to you, not to me, but to you, Lord Jesus, you would bring the resurrected life. You would bring what we are celebrating today, Lord, to those people. And so come, Lord Jesus, and just do that work right now, Father.
And there might be some of you who have made this decision for the first time. I want to ask you, don't you want to come to the front? Don't you want to come and make a declaration before the Lord? Not before man, but before the Lord. Say, God, I want to come to you because you've got to come and do the work. I know, I know who I am. And you might be feeling the tug of the conviction of the Spirit. The Bible says, you know, when you, when you have that, that um, almost like it's like a feeling of you feel your heart beating and there's a moving happening, that's the Holy Spirit doing the work. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come here this morning and come and just come before the feet of Jesus. You know, that coming forward, and I believe it's important that we come forward because coming forward is actually coming to the cross in a sense that you are saying, God, your word says that if I deny you, you know, that we don't deny him before man, and then he won't deny us before the Father. So in a sense, when you come up, you actually, it's a bold step. I know, we've all had to make it. But by doing that, you're actually saying, God, I'm putting you first. I'm willing to die to the flesh. I'm willing to give up of who I am. I'm going to come to you, Jesus, and come and bring that death in order that I might have the resurrected life.